Welcome to Northern Gold, a football podcast from the Evening Express and Scotland's best daily newspaper, The Press and Journal. I'm Ryan Kryle and today I'm joined by Sean Wallace and Andy Skinner. Later on, Danny Law will be joining us to discuss all things Cove Rangers, but firstly... Guys who are here already, Sean, Andy, how are we? Yeah, very well, thanks, thanks Ryan. Yeah, yourself? Yes, not bad. Eager to discuss Aberdeen, who, well, am I eager to discuss them? I'm not sure after the weekend, <laughs> but we will be discussing them. We've got Ross County to talk about as well. Of course, between the three of us, we've got Inverness, massive result for Inverness at the weekend against a fellow title hopefuls in the Championship, Dundee, and we'll also be looking ahead to the Northern Gold Derby between Peterhead and Elgin City in the SBFL Trust Trophy this weekend. But first, as always, we will start with the Dons. A wee post-Hibs debrief. It was a controversial clash at the weekend at Easter Road. To say the least. Yeah, the Dons. The Dons going 1-0 up through Duke early on. Fantastic looping header. Did he mean it? Did he not mean it? Just putting it in the general direction of the goal. Buying a ticket, as they say. Uh, then the game was turned on its head first before half time by a controversial penalty and, well, red card for the Dons that saw Hibs get back in level terms. And then the second half, they stuck two more goals away, the High Bs, to win the clash. Sean, what, what were your takeaways from the game? I suppose for me, Although the Dons scored that goal early, um, and I discussed this with Willie Miller earlier this week, I thought they lost the midfield battle. They certainly, when they moved Ross McCrory into defence to mitigate the loss of Liam Scales, as has been the plan this season, not only did they lose more of a foothold in midfield, they also um, got a bit chaotic and disjointed at the back, which only uh, saw Hibs take a tighter grip on proceedings uh, would you disagree with that no I completely agree I think if it, if it wasn't for our goalkeeper Kelly Roos I think it would have been a lot heavier a defeat than 3-1 obviously the, the turning point was the dismissal of Liam Scales and the penalty but even without that I don't think Aberdeen were doing enough in the game to warrant the three points and obviously when scales went off and they can see the, that penalty was converted it was rapidly downhill in the second half I mean I know there were a man down and they had to switch push McCrory in the centre back and they took Danny Pulvara on but I mean I just thought Aberdeen offered so little in the second 45 uh, I mean I know you're a man down but it shouldn't like, damage the the game plan so much. Surely there should have been some more adaptability there. But, I mean, you you picked on the, the issue with Ross McCrory when he's pushed back into centre-back. I mean, you'd, Aberdeen badly miss his influence in midfield when he's pushed back there. And you look at the, the, the three games Aberdeen have lost have been when Ross McCrory has played at centre-back. That's not to say Ross McCrory is not a good centre-back. I think he's a very strong player in that position, but it's just that Aberdeen become exposed because his influence is missing in midfield. I mean, they lost to Celtic, 
when Liam Scales was suspended, uh, not suspended, but ineligible due to the terms of his loan deal, McCrory went into centre-back for that. They lost 2-0. Then uh, when Coulson was injured, Scales went to left-back. Ross McCrory came in. Centre-back against Motherwell, they lost 3-2. And then they lose 3-1 at Hibs. So you need Ross McCrory in that midfield. I think, yeah, I agree that Ross McCrory has shown that he can play centre-back. It's definitely not his best position. His best position for me is central midfield. But I I think a lot of the issue stems from, yeah, you lose him in midfield. So more pressure then falls in the centre-backs. And you're expecting him to jump in and just suddenly have this, like, relationship with Anthony Stewart. And we know these things. We know good defences. What they always fundamentally have is like a consistency of personnel, guys that play together week in, week out. And for for me at the weekend, I, I just Hibbs's second goal, McCrory at the third goal has to do better in the air, has to be more aggressive and stronger. But with the second goal, that was the one for me because I almost felt like Anthony Stewart should have maybe been in command of the situation a bit more and telling people where to be. McCrory, because of, you know, having just jump, had to jump in there and play alongside Stewart, he kind of didn't look like he knew where to be, but there were other players as well, like Povara, you know, almost gets in the way at one point. It was just it was just the chaos of it. I, I think, well, do you think that Jim Goodwin will be spending the international break trying to come up with another solution for the back line that doesn't involve taking McCrory out of midfield now that Liam Scales is going to miss the game against Kilmarnock? Potentially, because, I mean, you're right to highlight that second goal because there just seemed to be there was a lack of communication and understanding between the the two centre-backs at the time, uh, McCrory and Anthony Stewart. I mean, Josh Campbell had an acre of space in the centre-box and all the time in the world to, to bury the shot. There was no... He was in between the two centre backs, and it was as if none of them knew which one to, you know, yeah. like to take control. So I don't know. I mean, Jack Milne was on the bench. He's a very, very highly rated defender, centre back, six foot three. He's still a teenager, but I mean, he's tipped to have a really bright future at Petodri. And I mean, there's no better game to to throw him in than this. I mean, it's his. The position that he was moved to last season from a midfield role, that's the position that Aberdeen see that he can excel at. So I would potentially think that Goodwin's looking at playing Milne alongside yeah, Stewart. I mean, it's got to be an option because you can't lose McCrory from the centre of midfield. You've seen when his influence isn't there how damaging it can be. So I, I would say give Milne a chance, throw him in against Kilmarnock on October the 1st. I mean, it's sink or swim, is it? He's a young, hungry player. He's desperate for his first start. And I mean, every time recently when a teenager has been given a start, he's grabbed it. Calvin Ramsey, Connor McLennan, yeah, sorry, Ryan uh, Connor Barron and Ryan Duncan. I mean, I think it's unlikely that they would do this anyway because, I mean, it feels like if they if they were going to do it, they would have done it already and um, changed course in this way. But I had a look at the free agent centre-halves 
list the Dons could sign. And I, I mean, to be fair, it is the list I was looking at is slim pickings. There's Ryan Bennett, I think, is on there who'd played for quite a lot of games for Norwich, Wolves, and Swansea at decent level in England. But whether you know he would want to come to Aberdeen, I don't know. But then you've got familiar names like Effie Ambr- Ambrose and uh, Clevid Dicamona, Hibbs and Hearts, former players respectively. But again. Would they be players that Don's fans would be probably up in arms about the club signing? Uh, so yeah, it's a difficult one. I think if if this is going to be rectified in a different way other than Jack Milne being the backup and trusting Jack Milne to come in and play when Liam Skills isn't available or somebody else isn't available, then the time to rectify that is probably going to be January, which is a long way off as things stand. Sean, in terms of... Well, I was just going to say, oh, I'm, I'm not a fan of the free agent market. I mean, it's, the transfer window was what, about three months long. If you've been released by a club and you haven't, don't get signed during like a 12-week period and there's a reason for that, you're either, your form's crashed or you're not fully fit. And even if you could get a defender in, they're not going to be up to full match sharpness. So it would just seem like a, a desperate move, which I don't think Aberdeen would do. Not when you've got Jack Milne there. Skills is only out out for a, one game. But I, I would suggest that in January, then they do need that centre-back so cover to come in. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot I mean, of people... People have mentioned Michael Hector, but I don't think he's played any football for a no. couple of seasons. I think what... I think what more people are probably looking at is letting Andy Considine go. Um, I mean, it's 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 odds law, isn't it, that you now look at Mikey Devlin playing basically a whole game for Fleetwood at the weekend as well down in England. Um, but I mean, I'm not sure there's. I'm not sure anyone would have grudged the Dons letting Mikey Devlin go. Anyway, let's no, I let's think focus. More than did their duty of care yeah. to Devlin. Let's <laughs> look more than enough chances. Yeah. Let's focus on forward areas. One thing I was going to ask um, was the Duke obviously had to come off at half time, but he's you know in his last few appearances he's certainly shown that he knows where the net is. With the Dons having eleven players in the pitch, we could argue all day about whether he should have been taken off on Saturday or not. But I mean. With the Dons having 11 men from the start against Kilmarnock, will we see the Duke get another start? And something else I wonder is, are we getting to the point now where Ryan Duncan possibly gets thrown in for a start? Because I've noticed quite a few fans pointing to um, players like Vicente, Bazelin and saying maybe they're wanting to see a bit more from those players. Well, I think Duke's got to start against Kilmarnock. I mean, the thing I like about Duke is... He can score goals from, I mean, that one uh, against Hibbs. Did he mean it? I mean, it's debatable, but what is clear is that he definitely meant to direct it towards that back corner to cause danger. And I mean, it was a fantastic header. And I, I think he's been great since he came to the club and he's like scoring fantastic goals, he's aggressive he's got, I mean he's got a sensational work rate, maybe he goes unnoticed, I was watching in Hibs he, he powered back about 30 yards from an attacking area into Aberdeen's own half won the ball with a tackle then fed the ball out wide to recycle it and burst back into the box, I mean it was a fantastic effort but ultimately the final ball back into him 
didn't award him for that effort, but it just shows the work that he's got. So I, I think you've got to start with Duke. Terms of the wide men? I think I would still stick with Bejuin for the next game or two, give him a chance to sort of rediscover the form that he had maybe like in the start of the season. But Ryan Duncan is certainly chatting on the door to get a, a start. And if, if Bejuin doesn't hit the heights, then throw Duncan in. Because, I mean, Jim Goodwin said earlier this season that if you're not good enough, you get dropped, regardless of who you are. And, I mean, that, that's that's the case for Mayovsky as well, all the way down, all the way to the captain. He says if you don't deliver and if your standards drop, you'll be out of the team and someone will take your place. So, I mean, the pressure's on every player to deliver. Okay, well, we'll have to wait and see until next weekend what the Dons do against Kilmarnock. But let's move on, Andy. I imagine this will be a bit shorter than the Dons section as we dissect Ross County's bore and ill-nil draw against St. Johnson. I think it'd be safe to describe it as that. Duncan Shearer said in his P&J column on Tuesday that he thinks the Staggies have a bit of a scoring problem. Would you concur? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've written very much the same in my own match report and to be honest Malky Mackay um, acknowledged that there was a, a lack of quality in the final third on the on the day and maybe it's you know been a slight pattern in the, the opening run of games um, I think they've they've scored four in their opening seven league games so you know they're, they're not fully up and firing yet but um, I suppose there are probably reasons for it in the sense that you know up in the, the final third is pretty much where most of the change has been made in County's team. Um, there are slight similarities to last season as well, you know, because you look back to this point and, you know, they were similarly looking to, to try and, um, you know, get off the mark and get up and running with a much changed side. Um, the, the major difference, I suppose, to last season where, you know, there were a lot of tight games that, you know, they were ultimately losing, this time around, they, they seem to have really solid foundations defensively and, and that kind of stems from having a settled partnership between Jack Baldwin and Alex Iacoviti, but also kind of down the, the spine of their team with you know Ross Laidlaw and goals, the likes of Ross Callick and Jordan Tilson in midfield and and then Jordan White up front. You know, as a as a unit, they do kind of know their, their jobs uh, when they're off the ball and, and they look really organised as a result of it. So... The positive you'd take really from the last few weeks is that they've they've drawn two games against Aberdeen and, and St Johnson, which you know were probably games that they wouldn't have got points from last season. At, at, you know during this early stretch when tight games were were going against them, there are good glimpses from some of the players they've brought in. Um, I mean, I've, I've done a piece on William Accio, who we've not seen too much of as yet, but. You know, I thought on Saturday against St. Johnson, which, yeah, bore draw was exactly the way to describe it. it I was actually sitting next to Eric Nicholson from The Courier, and I think, yeah, I mean, they do a podcast as well. We we did a, a gentleman's agreement where we, we would pretend on our respective podcasts that that game never happened, but uh, I've, I've failed on that one at this point. We've had to go back over it with the, the lack of other stuff. But um. I'm Worth <laughs> noting here that Eric, I saw didn't think that that Ukrainian player should have been sent off against Scotland last night. So don't, I don't know how much we can respect his opinion. Anyway, Andy, let's, let's move across the Highlands then. Let's have a, well, we'll take a short break and then we'll come back to Inverness because 
their game of the weekend was certainly riveting and the result they managed to get could be huge in the context of the championship season. Right, then Dens Park clash, a topsy-turvy 3-2 win against Dundee for Cali Thistle. I mean, not only did they get a result against one of their closest rivals, one of the other teams that's expected to be a championship title contender this season, but it just so happened all the other results went Inverness's way as well. Do you, do you get a better Saturday than this? I am not really, no. Um, it, just the perfect manner of result um, that they needed just to to start building momentum again because, I mean, let's remember they, they obviously had game postponed the, the previous week, but they were coming off the back of a, a, a win against Wraith Rovers, which was you know, kind of needed at the time to end a, a slight dip in form. They'd lost three on the on the trot. And, you know, we all remember, you know, the run that they went on last season of 11 games without a, a win. Uh, you know, you, you, you want to nip that in the bud as soon as you can. And, you know, to have now done that with two really good results away from home, and particularly coming from behind against Dundee, who... Um, you know, we're obviously fancied to to be right up there among the, um, you know, the title contenders this season. But you know, that's already planted a, a seed of doubt about the new look Dundee team because I think they've lost three out of their opening seven, which, you know, from their point of view, isn't uh, you know exactly title winning form. Um, Inverness looked to have kind of overcome that that sticky patch that they had, and um, you know the fact that they've they've pulled off this result, um, you know, with a few injuries still in their side. Um, it, it looks really encouraging for the, you know, the weeks ahead now. One uh, thing I noted that perhaps could be something to improve on for Inverness uh, ahead of this weekend in the SPFL Trust Trophy against Brecon City, a game we're expecting Inverness to make quite a lot of changes for, in fairness. But certainly ahead of the Championship returning the following week is... A need, perhaps, to be better under the high ball. I think in that six-minute highlight package, I'm pretty sure Cali Thistle posted on YouTube rather than Dundee, I don't think any of the teams win a single ball at the first attempt as it drops into their box, um, which, I don't know, it's it's one of those when I watch it, and, I mean, it... I suppose it reflected the game itself and how sort of like nip and tuck it was in places and how entertaining it was, but you really did feel like there could have been several goals at both ends of the pitch over the course of the 90 minutes. Yeah, um, Inverness will be disappointed with the goals that they conceded and there was one cleared off the line, I think, before the opener as well, which was a, a near escape, but... Um, well, and how <laughs> was it cleared off the line as well? I think that was a bone of contention for... Uh, Dundee fans because it looked to have perhaps struck Billy Mackay's arm. Yeah, yeah, They're difficult to tell from the the, the replay angle, but uh, I mean, posted by Inverness. Aye, <laughs> um, no, I mean, kind of when you were talking about Aberdeen defensively, there I was, you know, starting to think about Inverness in the same light, actually, just with regards to that consistency of personnel along the the back line, and it's something that Inverness haven't. You know, really had the the luxury of this season so far. Um, you know, remember the Partick Thistle game where they lost four uh, one very comprehensively. Um, you know, there were quite a few changes that were forced upon them that you know ahead of that game, and 
Um, they're only really starting to get numbers back now. Um, I, I look at the the partnership that you know they obviously went with on on Saturday with Danny Devine uh, alongside Robbie Dees, and I think that's probably safe to say that's going to be Billy Dodds's preferred back uh, back line or you know centre half pairing. Um, obviously, the experience of Devine has been missed. Uh, clearly, a, a side that, that had. Kirk Broadfoot in the back line last season and you know having that senior figure that's played so many games is is something that really helps them when they've got you know a lot of youngsters around them and Robbie Dees played the majority of last season at left back but you know I think um, it's widely understood that you know his preferred position is, is centre half and that's where I'm sure his long-term future will be um he obviously had Zach Delaney coming in at, at left back, which facilitated Cameron Harper's move up to, um, you know, a more advanced role. And you know, on Saturday's evidence, he's got the potential to to make a real difference there. So, I was going to say, yeah, there's uh, there's flexibility there, but I think, um, you know, if, if Cali Thistle are to to build more solid foundations, then I think the key is probably that that settled centre half pairing. Uh, again, in a similar light to what you were you were saying with the the Dons and Anthony Stewart and, and Liam Scales, but um, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean it, it's it's obviously something that they got away with on on Saturday, and you know they now come into the the cup tie looking to to sort of keep that momentum going. Yeah, I mean Cami Harper, as you mentioned, I think it'd be remiss of us not to discuss his performance in the game. Pretty sure he well he scored two of the goals. Did he not? And he also won the penalty for the the one in the middle. Was it the one in the middle? Yeah, Billy Mackay's the... penalty uh, just before yeah. half time that put Inverness ahead in the game. So yeah, a, a stunning showing. I know Paul Chalk's been speaking about him all season long, but I think that's probably the one that's gonna um, that more eyes are going to have seen, and you know the buzz around him will only grow from here if he continues playing like that. Which Point, you know, he might start getting talked about as the next Cali Thistle player to earn a big money move somewhere, but Cali Thistle won't want that at this early stage. Uh, Andy, briefly, breaking this weekend for Inverness. I think Billy Dodd's already spoken about it being a chance for rotation. Uh, the only caveat I would put on that probably would be that Breakin are a high flying Highland League team. They'll have a lot of confidence, a team that's used to winning. Cali Thistle don't want to make changes to the point where they, you know, end up being on the end of a shock and it damages any feel-good factor they've managed to build up, do they? Yeah, definitely. It's, it is a, um, you know, quite a fine balance they, they have to strike here because you're right, Brecon are very much high-flying, you know, seven wins out of seven in the Highland League and they will be eager to lay down a marker um, that shows that they are ready to to make the step back up again. Um, that's clearly what their intention is. Um, you know, they're obviously you know just a couple of years since losing their SPFL status and it's something that they're they're keen to to get back hold of um but you know from an Inverness point of view the game probably comes at a decent time given that they have you know welcomed a few players back from injury in in the last couple of weeks and you know guys like Aaron Doran uh you know he came off the bench on on Saturday and uh, I, I think it's probably likely he'll he'll start and um Obviously, Max Rams just come back from a, a long injury as well, so you know it gives them a chance to to get um, you know players that have been out of the side 
back into the uh, the starting eleven again. But you know, it certainly won't be a, a team full of youngsters uh, as such. And they have used this competition pretty wisely in the past. I, I have to say, I don't think they've really suffered any, um, you know, kind of bloody noses in in the uh, the Challenge Cup. They've they've tended to to strike the balance just about right with with a few changes um, and you know a professional job done off the the back of that. So. Uh, they'll be looking for the, the the same this weekend, and if they can do that, then it, it comes at a good time in the sense that it, it just carries that momentum forward, and uh, they'll look to take you know a third straight win, uh, you know, with them into the the return to league action, which is a you know another really big one for them away to Air United next weekend. Okay, thanks for that, Andy. Before we move on from the championship, here's Danny Law with the latest from Cove Rangers. It was a great, if unlikely, point for Cove at Fairhill. I think it's fair to say that Partick Thistle were well on top for much of the game and could have been out of sight had it not been for Kyle Gourley. Mark Reynolds chose an opportune time to grab the first brace of his career to help Cove plunder a point. That is two two, two draws on the spin now. Uh, They haven't kept a clean sheet since beating Wraith Rovers 2-0 on the opening day of the Championship season. So Jim McIntyre will be hoping another match against Wraith this Saturday can bring about another positive outcome. I would expect some changes this weekend. Another positive from Saturday was the return of Blair Yule, who has been sidelined with an ankle injury. He has been such a key player for Cove, and I'm sure Jim McIntyre will already be well aware of what he can bring to the team. I wouldn't be at all surprised if he gets a decent amount of game time on Saturday, maybe even a start. Um, It should be a cracking cup tie. I'm sure Cove, having reached the semi-finals of the competition last season, will be keen to try to get as far as they can. Wraith will head north with confidence after beating Air United, who were top of the championship table 3-2, so it could be a difficult test. Right, okay, we're back, and all we've got left to discuss this week on Northern Goal is Peterhead against Elgin City in the SBFL Trust Trophy. The team's going into the game, I suppose, in slightly different frames of mind. Peterhead, despite having 10 men after Chris Kazuka was sent off at 1-0 against Kelly at the weekend, then conceding an equaliser, they ended up winning 3-1. And if you haven't seen the third goal from this game, well, the third Peterhead goal from this game, scored by Conor O'Keefe, I suggest, a former Elgin player, of course, funnily enough, but I suggest you look it up because it is fully 40 yards over the keeper's head, but a very, not, not a sort of high looping strike, almost like a flat strike that never really rises too much, just arrows from 40 yards into the far top corner. It's a thing of beauty, but I mean, it's given the blue team the chance to hold themselves above Kelty. I think they're now level on four points with him at the bottom of League One. Uh, the next game is against Dunfermline when the league action returns, which will be a challenging one for the win. I think Dunfermline are the leaders currently in the third tier. Um, Andy, did you know Conor Keith could do that from his time at Elgin? Um, I don't think he scored anything quite as good as that, to be fair. It would take some topping um, if he's got something in his back catalogue that he can provide that's uh, that's better than that, then oh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a surprise he's you know, not uh, not at the very top level in Scottish football, but um, yeah, I've found myself playing that goal on repeat 
uh, numerous times. Just it's it's so aesthetically pleasing, really. Uh, you know, just the way that he's able to pull it off um, with such conviction. And a player that um, Elgin are obviously well aware of. You know, they they know the threats that he he can pose. Um, the the thing that you know everyone will refer to is is the pace that he's got. Um, which can, you know, really cause teams problems, and you know Elgin had that to their advantage so many times, and you know during the course of the last three years. But coming up against it is going to be a new challenge for them. So you know, there's obviously going to be no um, uh, no surprise really as to to what he can do. Um, but you know, Peterhead will be lifted by that result because you know it's their first win of the of the season and. Um, you know they'll have felt that it's been coming for for a few weeks now. Just as they've got their much changed squad, um, you know, fully assembled and, and up and running. Um, you know, it's it's a few years since these two sides have played each other. Peterhead got promoted in 2019, so you know there's there's a wee bit of a uh, you know an edge to it. Uh, it's not quite a, a local derby per se, but it's probably the nearest thing. So. You know there will be a lot of new threats in the the blue team side that the Elgin um, won't be so familiar with, and you know with Elgin having sort of uh, picked up a wee bit in the last few weeks as well, they'll be really keen to to try and uh, hurt Peterhead in in any way they can, just to to try and build up a bit of their own momentum. Yeah, very much that. Um balance again isn't it between giving guys that maybe haven't had as many minutes in the league where you know all the games are all important um this tournament maybe allows you know a bit of experimentation chances for people to get minutes in the legs but yeah you don't want to you don't want to end up getting beat and you know maybe the morale effects that can have but yeah we'll see what happens between peterhead and elgin of course we'll be discussing that next week on Northern Goal as well as our other teams that are in action this weekend but thank you Andy, Sean and Danny as well who's of course no longer here uh, for joining me this week, cheers guys Thanks Ryan Thanks. Cheers. If you've enjoyed this week's episode you can like and subscribe on your favourite podcast app, as always you can email any questions or queries to northerngoal at dctmedia.co.uk and enjoy whichever football you're watching this week, cheers Hope you loved the episode, and if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North. And how!